Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like Dan Bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, I have got golf tee across the octagon from myself, as it were. How the fuck are you doing this fine evening, sir? I'm ready to rock and roll. Not going to lie, I am a little bit jealous of uh, one of our viewers out there knowing where he's going to be tomorrow night, so... Yeah, tad bit on the gel side, but also have a great fucking time, man. Absolutely, absolutely. There is absolutely going to be some fun shit that they are going to get to see firsthand tomorrow evening. But we will get into that in just a little bit. Um, before we dive too deep into everything here, I do want to do a wee tiny little bit of uh, recapping here because holy shit, was there an absolute mountain of combat sports, punchy, kicky goodness that went down last weekend. So I'm not going to give you a full play, play breakdown of everything that went down, but there are a couple things just as a quick little how do you do. I want to run down from everything that popped loose last weekend just to kind of give you the important footnotes, as it were, uh, of what went down. Um, let's see. do, 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 do. do. Where do we go? Here we go. So we'll start with the uh, Bellator card from Friday. Uh, Perry got a fucking beautiful fucking sub to open that fucking eight fight Bellator card, even though the whole feeling was a little bit fucking weird. Um, then we had uh, Franco, the worst possible nutshot actor in combat sports recent history, shown multiple times from multiple different angles on the replay that it was not an actual fucking deal. It was a full-on acting gig so that was a little bit fucking oof um uh murrow went out there just looking like he knew what he was doing for a split moment and then he didn't actually fucking win that fight bad fucking decision there um neil flat out outworked edwards the entire goddamn fight great one of the better one of the better fights on the whole fucking card um now, one of the big names that has not really gotten enough credit yet, and I'm telling you right now, keep your fucking eyes on it. Maybe not your ears because there's going to be a lot of censoring on the, the commentary from this gentleman. But Sabatello, my God, that blonde fucking maniac went out and just absolutely fucking dominated, not wrestle fucking actual genuine wrestling pure fucking dominant grappling having his fucking way with his opponent how when and where he wanted things to go that young man is going to be a very very big problem for that whole fucking division in the very near future um 
as has been the case more often than not, I have said it since the fucking transition happened, the Enrique Barzola they have got over in Bellator is not the same fucking Barzola we got in the UFC. And on one hand, good for him. On the other hand, you motherfucker, you could have been making so much more money and gotten so much better fucking fights and so much more attention at the same time. Clean fucking house in Bellator. Make that fucking money. He gave up round one like he tends to do a lot. He's got that fucking Floyd Mayweather-esque style where he's willing to let you go first round and just be full defensive because he's fucking reading you. And then when round two comes in, the fucking game plan switches. And then here comes the offense and it doesn't fucking stop. And he just fucking keeps going and he keeps going and he picks at you from weird fucking angles. And next thing you know, you're fucked. Enrique Barzola is... 10 times the fucking fighter since he has been in Bellator than he was the entirety of his UFC career. And on one hand, that's frustrating as fuck. On the other hand, he's going to make some serious money while he quote unquote earns his second run in the UFC. I'm calling it right now between sponsors and the ass whooping bonuses that I'm sure Scott Coker has thrown at him. Uh, Barzola has got himself a nice setup going over in Bellator right now, but I would not be the least bit surprised if he makes his way back over to the UFC the second his contract starts to wane even the slightest bit over there in Bellator. Uh, I think Scott Coker is absolutely going to try and keep him, but uh, with what he has shown just since the UFC let him go, I have a hard time seeing them not just scrambling to fucking pull him back. Um, and then the main event. Now, I know a lot of people in this day and age are quick on a mistake to be like, oh, that's it. That's the last time we need to see them. Cancel them. They're done. Fucking fire them. Don't let them do any more big fucking fights. I am not of that opinion. I believe people are human and then people make mistakes. And on that same note, insanity is the definition of doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result and this is not the first time that mike beltran has made a questionable or a controversial decision in a big time crucial all eyes watching kind of moment here uh it's not even the first time that mike beltran has made a questionable stoppage this year um there have been several in the last year or two but there have already been i believe this is his fourth controversial stoppage of 2022 so uh i will say liz was definitely starting to take control uh she was absolutely given the fucking business to uh juliana uh not that juliana was laying down but liz was absolutely starting to to take over in a more dominant fashion that being said there's no world that I have ever witnessed where what happened in that last round was enough to warrant a genuine stoppage, let alone a stoppage in a title fight. That whole thing was fucking weird to me. And I'm not going to tell you to get the tinfoil hats out. All I'm going to say is that if you are inclined to wear aluminum-based products in a cranium-covering capacity, naturally, you might be one to think that a former Marine referee to fight 
for a former Marine in front of current Marines and gave a questionable decision that let the hometown former Marine win a belt they probably wouldn't have won on their own. Now, I'm not the type of person to say something like that. I would never encourage someone to go out of their way to be conspiracy theory minded. All I will say, though, is if you are the type of person who is inclined to find those type of linkings between events, there's more than a few strings you could put on your wall with thumbtacks for this weekend's car. That's, that's where I'll leave that one. Uh, that being said, Liz Carmouche is now the new Bellator ladies champion. Um, tip the cap, she finally got her belt. Uh, we'll see how long she gets to hang on to it now. Um, that being said, oh, go ahead. Yeah, look, I can't make those links. I can't do it. I, I look, I will say it was a bad call. Yes. But I will not put those links together. No. Um, look. Every ref has a bad fucking night or a bad call. This one just seems to fall into a spotlight because it's in a main event. And now the thing that goes along with that is we've seen it in other main events in other organizations where there's been fucking bad calls in that same sense gone. That was stopped way too early. Uh, let's go back to what was it? The TJ Dillashaw and fucking what's his name fight. Shouldn't have fucking been stopped when it was. But it was. Another bad call, different breath. They all, all of them have those bad off nights and see something else that the rest of us don't see. And part of that, and I hate to give them any space for cover here because we know it was a bad call, but some of that is they see one angle. They don't see what we see from these multiple different angles. So, yeah, we can call a bad call when we know it, but they're also tuned in here. They're not, they don't have little fucking multiple personalities standing around the whole fucking what they see in the whole thing. Now, am I going to give him any out for that? No. You fucked up on it. Call it a day. Move on. He doesn't generally make bad calls. We don't generally see that from me. He's usually a pretty solid fucking ref. So I'm going to give him a pass on this, but I will not, nor will I encourage anybody to put on a tinfoil hat and say, oh, it was a, it was a service member doing a service member a deed in front of service members. No. Fuck that nonsense. Because one Marine will tell another Marine to go fuck themselves and earn it. They didn't get that fucking... Marine fucking logo for no goddamn reason. They're the only armed forces that fall under the once a Marine, always a Marine. Army doesn't say once Army, former Army. Navy doesn't say that. Air Force, no. Only fucking Marines. They've earned that for a reason. They make other Marines earn it. They don't just give shit away for free in the Marines, even on the back end of things after they're out. I'm just saying. That's coming from a service member, so take it as you will. That's why I said I can't endorse such theories, but if that is your nature to find such commonality threads, there are threads to be found. That's all I said. I'm just saying, as a service member myself, not a Marine, because I don't give a fuck about Marines, crayon eaters, you know, or as I like to call them, meat shields. 
they've earned their right because they really are a hardened bunch of motherfuckers. Yeah. Not always the brightest in the box. And I say not always because there are quite a few of them that are very smart. But, you know, there's a lot of ones that I'm just saying they like to color green for breakfast and I'm not talking about salads. Yeah, I got to I got to give them a pass on the fact that I with 100 percent, I want to shout out no shadow of a doubt. They did not do it because it's a fucking Marine helping Marine in front of fucking service members. No, that part's bullshit. Anybody who thinks that should go kick fucking rocks. No. But yeah, definitely call him a- out for making a really bad call. Dude made a fucking bad call and it cost somebody a belt. However, to be honest with that, they ought to run the fucking thing back the way where Liz was going in that fight. She very well could have dominated the rest of the fight. But well, who's to say at this point? Because we got a bad stoppage. Right. No, I was going to say the, the only silver lining that came out of that whole shitstorm is that Scott Coker just literally said this afternoon in an interview that he will absolutely put Juliana versus Liz, the rematch, as the next title shot for that division because Juliana obviously wants a rematch, did not agree with the stoppage very understandably. Yeah. Uh, Coker said himself it was controversial. He won't say if he thought it was good or not. He just he agrees that it is a controversial stoppage and that given the circumstances, he has no problem with booking the re- immediate rematch as the next fight to be made, and which I believe is the smart move to make. That's a great thing to fucking do. Yeah, it don't really is. Beltran ref it, don't do it in Hawaii. <laughs> to be honest, I think they make Beltran ref it again. Make him fix his fuck up. Or, yeah, or, yeah, or exactly. Or make him do it, yeah. Like, make him ref, like, all the but, early prelim fights. So that way he has to come back and, for that fight to do it again. Like I said earlier, Beltran really makes fucking mistakes. It's, like, we call a lot of refs out for a lot of mistakes that we right. see regularly. And there's some of them that are way more regular than others. Beltran is one of those ones where it's, Hard to remember a recent time where he really fucked something up. Yeah, no, it's it seems like his trend is is starting to rise lately. But for the longest period of time, he was the replacement for Big John McCarthy, as it were. He was the go-to guy. Only of recently has he really started to fuck up some controversial decisions. But yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, to the point I say, where, get him back in there, get him back on the fucking horse, because you know what? He got bucked off, made a bad call. Put him in there for that rematch and make him make the right call during that rematch. Whatever that fucking ends up being. And if Juliana comes in there and knocks her out, or Liz manages to knock fucking Juliana out, whichever fucking way it rolls out. But not in a controversial manner. Make the correct stoppage. Or just make it a clean fucking fight and let him go to decision. Right. Yeah. Let it it play out how it's going to play out. But yeah, now he's in in for a penny, in for a pound, as it were. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so moving along from there, uh, we did have a little bit of the old straight punchy, as it were, in between the punchy and the kicky of this weekend here. Uh, the Fury slash White card took place this last weekend. And oh my goodness, for a short card, it genuinely fucking delivered for boxing. Um, I, I wish more cards of this quality would get promoted more highly because it seems like all the boxing we do get promoted nowadays is really just 
the the stereotypical quote unquote boxing card where you have eleven undercard fights of people who are like one and O or you know O and two no name literal no name fighters in the boxing world just fighting to get a match in, and then the main event is the actual fight that means something, and that's part of the reason I feel why boxing is so fucking low on the totem pole of combat sports in the, in terms of views these days. Uh, even a, a fucking shitty UFC card where you don't know anybody, you're getting fucking action. Like even the fucking one and O guys coming into the UFC and Bellator are going to give you a genuinely good fight. Whereas most of these boxing cards, like this is the legitimate first professional boxing match that these guys have had. And they don't even know what to fucking do half the time. Like this is essentially a gym war for half these guys with cameras on them and it freaks them out even more. So yeah, I, I fucking get it. Uh, this, on the other hand, was a nice, short, sweet, five-fight fucking card, and every one was a fucking banger. Three cards on the far, or three title fights on the card, rather, um, or two, excuse me, two title fights, and then uh, a third or a second Fury fight, as it were. Uh, Tommy Fury, Tyson's younger, smaller brother, uh, got in there again, this time not against a hand-picked pizza delivery guy from fucking Showtime, uh, and genuinely showed that his brother was in his ear telling him, you better not fuck around with my last name, boy. Uh, he, he genuinely took it seriously. I, I will say after the last event, uh, Tyson told Tommy publicly, if you fuck around and get your ass beat, I will make you legally change your fucking name. And you can see that he wasn't playing when Tommy got in there this time because he genuinely looked like he's been absolutely brushing up on his fucking boxing skills and looked pretty goddamn good, especially compared to his last fight, for fuck's sake. Um, that being said, Essamon, oh my fucking God. Tetley has a hell of a fucking cannon in his glove, but Essamon just absolutely outworked and outdanced him everywhere that fucking match went, and it was fucking beautiful to see the sweet science demonstrated so fucking fluidly and so effortlessly. It almost looked like the old-time fucking black-and-white boxing movies where they're fucking throwing around and they're dancing and they're, they're fucking two-stepping in the fucking ring before they throw a nine-shot combination and then wind one all the way back here to give it the old Popeye-style fucking punch. Like, Essamon was just leagues above Tetley. Now, to be fair, when Tetley landed, he fucking made an impact. But you could see that they were just not on the same fucking playing field in terms of skill-wise. Essamon is going to be a very, very big star as long as he keeps that fucking focus and doesn't let that ego get out of control because that happens a lot in boxing, as we've seen. That being said, Tyson fucking... Fury, uh, the Gypsy King, the lineal fucking champion. Um, now, two parts to this. One, Dillion White, a six foot four fucking brawler with genuine, terrifying heavyweight boxing power in his hand, the likes of which very few modern era heavyweights genuinely possess went in there and looked like a different fucking weight class against Tyson Fury. It looked like he was picking on a fucking cruiserweight. Like, they were genuinely, notably different shape and sized human beings in that fucking ring. That being said, Tyson Fury, 
at almost 300 fucking pounds dances and glides across a fucking squared circle like a featherweight on ice skates. It's unfathomable how the fuck that big man moves so fucking fluidly and so fucking intelligently in the moment watching what's happening. And then when he decides it's time for you to be done, Down she goes, and it's fucking over. Uh, props to Dillion White for coming out and genuinely giving the fucking everything he had trying to get Tyson out of there. But it was almost the definition of, of too little, too late by the time he landed anything even remotely kind of significant in terms of a big strike. Okay, so here we go. Okay, so we'll jump back, even though it's out of sync time-wise for ease of discussion's sake, we'll jump back over to the other Bellator Saturday card real quick here, the 279. Um, for one the fact that they let yancey medeiros basically carry a percentage of the promotions for that fucking card and then afterwards told him that that wasn't his bellator contract that was his audition fuck you even just a little bit fuck you bellator that's some cold-blooded bullshit because i guarantee that saturday night a legitimate chunk of those fans including alimale uh alimale's fucking crew rather uh were there to support the hawaiian people being alimale and yancey and fucking but yeah alimale and yancey <laughs> You know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, that being said, though, uh, Yancey versus Emmanuel was a fucking good fight. Emmanuel Sanchez is no fucking slouch. That motherfucker brings it every goddamn time he steps in the fucking octagon as well. Um, those boys came in and fucking showed out. Yancey showed that he's not fucking done by any stretch of the imagination. He just was having a hard time hanging with the competition the UFC was throwing at him. And it's understandable because he had a lot of time off there between a couple of fights and the game doesn't slow down for anyone. Uh, UFC least of all. So now he's over in Bellator. He seems to have a, a pretty decent handle on things because he's coming in right up against some of their top guys holding his own very fucking well. Uh, I, I think Yancey's going to have a real good place over there for a while. I don't know if he's going to be able to make enough of a splash over there to get another shot at coming back to the UFC. But if not, I don't think that's a bad place for him to end up anyway, as they clearly have no problem using him to help build a card and bringing him back to his home soil to let him fight. I think Bellator could be a good home for Yancey if that's how things end up playing out. Oh yeah. Wouldn't be a bad landing spot for him to be quite honest. I mean, Maybe it'll get him to get his shit back together and make his way back to the UFC. Yeah, it's because I mean, I he it's had no a chance, but if not, it's okay. 
Yeah, it's not a per- bad permanent landing spot. There's a lot of money to be made in Bellator. Shit just off of fucking sponsorship alone. I mean, he's I can I can guarantee he's gonna make more money. He probably made more money in that fight in Bellator than he did in his last two or three fights in fucking the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a legitimate chance he made more money in his quote unquote audition for Bellator than he did on his last contract extension with the UFC combined. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like I said all the time, and I'll continue saying it. I'm not mad at making that fucking money. If that's how you're going to pay your bills going over to Bellator and letting those sponsors back that fucking brings truck up instead of struggling in the UFC. Why work harder when you can work smarter? I'm not fucking mad at it in the least bit. Back that fucking truck up, let them dump it in your front yard and send them on their way. Yeah, I agree. That being said, um, I was genuinely surprised to see Patchy Mix able to literally human backpack Horiguchi to a unanimous decision. Um, Not to say that that's all he did, but that's a good majority of what he did during that match. And to be fair, it was effective as fuck. Horiguchi could not stop it and could not figure out how the fuck to get out of it either. Um, Based on, I think, mainly uh, recency bias and the Sergio Pettis fight that we saw with Horiguchi and how fucking insanely marauder-like he was in that match, no one really expected Patchy Mix to come out and literally just be able to climb up on his back and sit there for 15 fucking minutes for the most part. Uh, but sure the fuck enough, Horiguchi could not fucking get out of it and he could not stop Patchy from climbing back up there every fucking time he got down or slapping those fucking hooks in if they actually went down to the mat. So as much as I love Horiguchi and we know how deadly he can be, Patchy Mix and his fucking backpack game legitimately neutralized him and shut down all that fucking aggression that we usually see out of him. And Patchy Mix now officially moves on in the Grand Prix. That was not how I saw that fight going, which, to be honest, good on Patchy Mix. But, man, Friday night, for all of the picks we made, that told me everything I know needed to know about how the weekend was going to go. Cause it went completely fucking awry from the way I thought it was going to go, which has been odd. This, this last weekend was the worst set of picks I've had since we started doing the picks what was it, a month ago or a month and a half ago. Yeah, a month and a half ago, I think it, it, this was the worst of them, which look, everybody has a bad weekend, but I will say I'm still well above 500 in my picks. And if I was a betting man, I'd be making money. Maybe I should be a betting man. I don't fucking know. That's kind of the way I I look at it. I'm still in the positive. So, yeah. No, this this last weekend pick-wise for all of us was a little rough to say the least. Um, But uh, in case you did miss, um, tapology.com, although they do not sponsor or endorse this podcast in any way, shape, or form, does allow viewers to make a free account and then make predictions or picks in upcoming combat sports fights. They also allow you to create groups of pick'em folks, which we at the I'm No Joe podcast have created one on Tapology. It is group I'm No Bookie, all one word, or group 965, depending on how you pick. Um, you can join 
It is free for the public to join. You can come make your picks with us head to head. It's all good fun. Tapology keeps track of all the stats for us and you can see your picks against ours live in real time. And as kind of a little bonus, um, Tapology actually creates individual links for your picks once you set them through. So while the main card of the weekend's biggest fight last weekend, I ran it through the main card of Bellat or of uh, UFC and most of the Bellator main card, uh, I will throw up a live stream here of just scrolling through a slideshow of all of the group's picks for the weekend's combat sports with some lovely Eddie and the Arson's accoutrement music lines. Um, it's not uh, a live show like this is. Uh, it is kind of literally just a slideshow. Uh, of rolling through uh, live updating in real time of the fights and our picks in the fights. So if that's something you're interested in, need some uh, Eddie Narsen's music in the background, we got you covered on the weekends when there are big events over here. Links for that and all of the other fun stuff down in the doobly-doo down there. That being said. Um, I said it when she first signed up and I it got confirmed again last weekend. Uh, Justine Kitsch isn't the worst in the world, but she belongs in Bellator. Um, she, she absolutely does. Um, that being said, Alimale kind of got fucked at home. Um, she dropped Justine. She had three submission attempts. Come on. Like, I, I said that there was some fuckery going on in this card or this this Bellator weekend, and this is just another one of those events that helped prove my fucking point for me here. That being said, uh, Hafian Stotts came out and just absolutely fucking dropped Juan Archuleta right away in the third fucking round he was done after two he gave all that he was willing to give and he was not willing to keep this fight going any longer and he shut that motherfucker down oh my god um i i get that it's technically just the interim status but man that's the first time juan archuleta has ever been ko'd in his professional career and it was fucking beautiful from a fan standpoint from a technical standpoint it was about as fucking precise as you could get Hafian Stotts mainly known as a fucking wrestler really came out and let his fucking hands do the goddamn talking and not only ruined Juan Archuleta's night but ruined his fucking resume at that um I, I guarantee Archuleta, for the most part, unless something medically happened that we don't know about, will be back. Uh, he's not the type of dude to let a loss to find him. We've seen that before. Um, this one might take a little longer to get over the sting of being as how as it was his first professional KO loss. But Hafeon Stotts earned his fucking shot at that fucking unified belt coming up and, and moving on. So there's no dispute in that good on you son good the fuck on you now speaking of firsts uh that'll bring us to the main event for bellator saturday night card um arlene blenko to her credit took cyborg to her first decision in bellator uh and 
taking cyborg to a decision is not something that many women get to say period three or five rounds but very very few have managed to survive five rounds in a cage with cyborg so there there clearly was some improvement from the last time that blenko fought cyborg but that being said in my opinion it also kind of confirmed that she wasn't ready to fight her the first time either um, she was closer to ready this time, but clearly wasn't there again. But it just showed that they absolutely rushed that first fight into place. So Cyborg remains champion for the featherweight division in Bellator to the surprise of pretty much fucking no one. But, you know, hey, credit where credit's due. She kept her belt and she defended it. So there is that. That being said, uh, we will jump back over to the UFC card real quick and wrap the uh, recap up, as it were. Talk about a shitty opening fight. My fucking God. Dean Barry carried some genuine Irish hype coming into his debut against Mike Jackson, and they rebooked that fucking fight, I believe three times, if I'm not mistaken, to make sure that it happened Versus Mike Jackson, no matter where, no matter when it fucking ended up, they wanted that specific combination and they got it. And then when we got that fight to actually happen, we get two nut shots, one of which was a spinning heel kick to the dick, as narrated by Mike Jackson on the ground in pain. Um, and then what is arguably one of the most egregious I gouges and i i say that literally because this was too much physically to be an eye poke this was a genuine uh what the fuck was her name uh jillian anderson getting choked out thumb yeah fucking eye gouge by dean barry to get what is arguably one of the first relieving dq stoppages in UFC recent memory, we've seen just in the last, I'd say, two months, more than a couple of situations where we ended up with a fucking no contest or where we went to a fucking judge's card on a foul stoppage where it should have been a disqualification. So to see as weird as it was to see the racist scumbag that is Mike Jackson be the one that benefits from it, odd enough, but he genuinely deserved it after a pair of dick kicks and that eye gouge. I agree with that being a fucking DQ. Yeah, that was the legitimate fucking version of a street fight is what that was. Yeah. So do anything yeah. you can to try Very to win. Very good analogy. Yes. Yeah. Fucking ugly. Like, to be honest, with that, with uh, with what he did in there, I don't see him ever getting a shot in the UFC again. I, I don't either. Uh, well, a combination... Um, what he did and then how he handled the aftermath, I think is kind of going to uh, solidify his, I'm guessing release from the UFC in the next week or two. Um, after the fight was over, not only did he not apologize, he took his post fight backstage interview opportunity and then social media after the fight to go on and not only not apologize some more, 
but to go after Mike Jackson for quote unquote, taking the easy way out and being a bitch when he knew that he wasn't hurt and that those shouldn't have even been fight interrupting uh, contacts, I believe is how he referred to them. That's called getting high on your own supply. Yeah, that's just stupid. Like that's stupid. Like whether it was an intentional or not, you committed three fouls, three fight pausing fouls in less than five minutes time span. The least, the very literal fucking least you can do is say, I'm sorry. And he could not be fucking bothered. Um, <laughs> slight interruption, not related. Chiefs just picked up George Carleftis out of Purdue defensive end. We could Better than a corner. Just say, just so that way you get an update. Keep me track for you. I think that's your guys' last pick, so I'm gonna actually shut the draft off now. So. I was gonna say, I think that, yeah, I think that with that, it'll wrap ours up as well. So yeah, um, but yeah, that, that dude's an absolute fucking scumbag. I hope he never fights in the UFC again. Yeah, that that was fucking that was horrible. It was just fucking bad showmanship. Oh. Period. Bad sportsmanship. Bad showmanship. I, I don't need to see him anymore. All right, racist cocksucker aside on this. Looking solely at Barry here. You're just as bad as the racist cocksucker, except for worse, because you won't accept when you know you fucked up. Not once, not twice, but three fucking times. All in the matter of less than five minutes. And then I'm going to try to defend it. No, dude. Take it on the chin be like, yep, I fucked up. My bad. Move on with your fucking life. No, that kind of scumbag fuckery doesn't belong in the UFC. Go to fucking... Not even PFL. Go to some fucking arena league in fucking bumfuck nowhere, Nebraska. You know, let those farm boys beat your ass. Yeah, that's that's scumbag shit. So, fuck Dean Barry. Um, that being said, though, um, Arichi Lang, holy shit, the Mongolian murderer. KO in round one with fucking bombs. Just absolute fucking hammer fists, man. Props to that motherfucker right there. That was impressive. That was genuinely impressive for a guy who seems so fucking calm. Just let him fly. (laughs) It was was nice to see. (laughs) Dude, those fucking... Those guys that are calm, it's kind of like looking at, look, from a person who used to bounce at a bar at one point, it's the calm, small guys you got to fucking worry about. It's never the big fucking guys. No, it's the small little calm motherfuckers. Bantamweights. Those are the motherfuckers you got to worry about. He came in there and just clean fucking house. I can't wait to see him in his next fight. That was fucking impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking beautiful. Um, Speaking of impressive, though, Tyson fucking Pedro, after four years 
of injuries on injuries on injuries on injuries and surgery after surgery after surgery he looked like he never took a fucking day off man he did not have a bit of fucking ring rest he stepped in and was loose right out of the fucking gate and just stepped right back in like he hadn't been out for a day let alone four fucking years beautiful fucking work beautiful work brilliant five minutes of work Uh, not even five minutes because he finished him in the first but well, yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think it went the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and see, me, when I picked that fight, I picked against him because of the four year layoff and all the injuries. And it wasn't because I didn't know what he was capable of. We'd seen what he was capable of previously. It's just with right. that long of a layoff, you can go on. And with uh, Ike Villanueva being yeah. such a fucking great boxer that he is, I figured he was gonna give Pedro fits, but no. Pedro worked him like he was fucking standing still most of that fight. It was impressive as fuck. It it was very impressive, and kudos to him. I can't wait to see him back again. Hopefully no more injuries from here on out. I think he's had a career full. He doesn't need any more. Just let the guy fucking fight. Come on. like Let the stars and whatever line up just so he can keep fighting. Yeah, I I agree. I Legitimately, I hope that they can get him and Ty on a card together because oh my fucking god the world better be prepared win lose or draw those two together they're cousins they're legitimately cousins and if you can get the two of them on a card together be prepared for insanity <laughs> I was it, the only thing that would make that better is if they both won on the same night via knockout right Jesus God. Christ. I would love to be a fly on the wall at the after party for that kind of aftermath. Yeah, between between the shoeies that are going to be popping off in the arena and then the after party that's going to just go fucking haywire of epic proportions. Yeah, that's that's going to be one for the fucking record books for damn sure. I did feel kind of bad for Tyson. Being in the apex and winning like that, no chance at a fucking shoey. Yeah. Yeah, there's no fucking way that was happening there. No. But it was a damn good fucking win and a damn good way to say, I'm fucking back. (laughs) Yeah, he literally put the entire light heavyweight division on notice with that. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. (sighs) Now, with that being said, fucking Davy Grant and Ken Dosko just fucking went to war god damn if those motherfuckers did not show up bound and determined not to let that fight of the night money get taken away holy shit and it was an even back and forth at that and there was never really a clear advantage either way those boys were fucking going back and forth hammering man great fucking fight it was absolute fucking chaos, to be quite honest. But it was controlled <laughs> chaos. Yes, yes, it, it was. Look, if there, if I say <laughs> of all of the fights last week and to go back and watch, this is definitely one of them where I'd say put this at the top of your list to go back and watch. Is well worth it. You can put a goddamn casual in front of this fight and they're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, those boys both fucking got after it, and it was much appreciated by everyone that watched, I promise you. 
Um, that being said, though, uh, that led us into a back-to-back pair of Canadian get-the-fuck-out-of-here moves. Um, first opening up with Mark andre Burial getting a beautiful fucking guillotine in the first round to just shut that fucking fight down really before it ever even got underway before the momentum ever really even got a chance to build mark had that fucking guillotine and it was over just beautifully fucking done which bravo sir unto itself but literally that move genuinely and we got verification actually inspired his Canadian teammate who came right behind him on the card. And he said, well, fuck Canadians are doing it. Let's fucking do it. Then he comes out and Jordan gets himself a fucking one arm guillotine fucking finish to follow up on Marc-Andre Burial's fucking standing guillotine finished. Canada literally stand up. <laughs> the submissions uh, last weekend out of this card were fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like, there was some just... They were all fucking beautiful. Every goddamn submission that happened were either ones that you didn't see coming or they were fucking so lightning quick or they were just perfectly done. Like, just absolute brilliance in the way that they were set up and taken. Like, the submission last week, that was a submission card. It really was. I mean, I was going to say... With the exception of the next fight after this, every single fight on the main card was via submission. Yeah. We only got one full fight on the main card. (laughs) We saw judges once, and that was in the middle of it. (laughs) And to be honest, I wasn't mad at that one for seeing judges on that because it really kind of went the way I expected it to go. So at least I called that one right, but... Fuck, the submissions were so much on point. They were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and and it's weird even more for me, at least, because Jordan has predominantly been, yes, he's shown his wrestling, but not so much his submission. He mainly has used his wrestling to get himself into a grounded pound or to get into a, a striking position so that he can literally finish the fight with his hands. We haven't really seen Jordan use his submissions, let alone a fucking one arm in power guillotine that he says that they legitimately work every week because he finds it easier to get the one arm in and lean on it than to lock the other arm in for it. That's kind of fucking cool. <laughs> it, it was amazing to watch. It was it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I was I was very fucking happy with that. Um, that being said, though, that'll bring us to the one fight on the main card that didn't get a submission, uh, Macy Barber versus Montana. Um, Macy Barber came out and sure the fuck tried to absolutely out-wrestle the living shit out of Montana. But to my, and I think pretty much everyone watching surprise, Montana genuinely has been working on her defensive wrestling. We know she's a black belt, so she's got the jujitsu in her back pocket. But her defensive wrestling is what really got tested by Macy Barber because you know that she's going to come in and try and put her weight on you and do what she wants. Well, Montana was giving her a pretty good fucking run for her money. Not that she could stop her. I will say for her defensive wrestling for Montana, much, much better than the last couple outings we've seen out of her. Granted, she also got worked like a fucking punching bag that whole fucking time because Macy Barber, all of a sudden, look, I'll say it. I don't know where her hands came from all of a sudden because 
she had some good looking hands that fucking fight. And I'm going, where the fuck did that come from? She's a grounder pound specialist. Even her little shots when she was legitimately in the transitions and doing the grappling with Montana, just her little shots be having the, the presence of mind to go up and down and get Montana to move. And she was genuinely going up and down and moving while she was grappling in. It was being put together very well. And was, I am not a fan of Macy's, but like I say, credit where credit's fucking due, man. She, she gained work. some respect from me out of that. Purely yeah. on the way that she was transitioning, especially if like you want to break down a little bit here. Those instances when they were on the fence and she would keep getting back behind her and wrapping an arm, holding an arm. So she only had one arm to defend and then just fucking plastering a piss out of her. Like she had some legitimately good shit going on. And I'm going, I don't know. Maybe Macy realized I can't be the youngest champ anymore, but I'll try to become champ at one point. If that's right, the case, if she keeps improving like that. I'm going to have a hard time not wanting to root for her. And I don't want to have to do that, but the way she improved so much, fuck. Yeah. Like, and it was oh, a fine. giant noticeable difference. But I will say, Montana, though, definitely A-plus in fucking defensive wrestling. It's gotten much better. And goddamn, does she got a fucking thick head because I thought she would have been knocked out on more than one occasion. She ate like, some shots for sure. Yeah, she got a fucking chin on it. Yeah. No, it, it, it was a little frustrating because, it, like like you said, this is kind of how everybody really thought this was going to go. Montana's got that black belt in her pocket, but it doesn't do you any good if you're always on your heels looking defensive. But that being said, her defensive wrestling has noticeably improved, so she has actively been working to try and polish up some of the holes that have been shown in her game. That being said this might have been a little too uh too little too late as it were because this is not the first time that she has been outmaneuvered like this and the ufc doesn't like to give too many chances to the new up-and-comers especially when they've already let her husband go for the same exact bullshit so yeah i don't know i don't know i hope they don't let her go because of this but i i have a feeling it's a realistic possibility and if they do to be honest i think it would be a great pickup for their um pfl or fucking bellator to pick her up i mean they could even pick her up in one and she'd do all right over there but i mean i I would love to see if she doesn't stay in the ufc her end up in bellator she could with the way she's improving and noticeably taking care of the holes in her game she could do well in the future but the ufc is not the place to be trying to sure up holes no it's not it's to be fair we have seen some new newer folk come in, get some holes exposed, work on them quickly and polish those edges up in a short period of time and make the necessary changes and be okay. This is not one of those situations. So this is one of the situations where we're literally talking about a four fight stretch here where we have seen those holes to be fair, slowly starting to get closed, but not quick enough to prevent her from now being on a losing skid. And the UFC don't like that for newcomers. That being said, um, holy shit for a fucking co-main event. Um, this was both impressive and infuriating at the same fucking time for me because one, Claudio told everybody, you're all underestimating me and I'm no, you already know exactly what I want to go in there and do. So that's what I'm gonna go in there and do. Clay Guida or anybody else, that's what I'm gonna do. 
And everybody was like, yeah, okay, dude, that's, that's cool. Yeah. You said that you said that you got one and you said that, but you know, that's cool. And then Claudio Puelas goes in there and he literally grabs Clay Guida's leg, wraps the fucking knee up and gets Clay Guida to tap to the exact same fucking knee bar that quick. And if I'm not correct, or if I'm not mistaken, Clay's got a black belt. He's either a brown belt or a black belt himself. He is very fucking familiar with the maneuver and knew exactly what Claudio was going to be coming in there going after and still couldn't fucking stop it. With all the knowledge and the energy Clay fucking Guida comes into a match with, Claudio went in and just absolutely shut it down right the fuck away with exactly what he said he was going to. Clay Guida could have been a fucking black belt and fucking studied under fucking Hedo and Gracie, but it wouldn't have fucking mattered. The how fast that transition was that Claudio went into that fucking knee bar with was probably the fastest fucking knee bar transition I've ever seen in my goddamn life. It was literally a split fucking second. As you're watching the transition, it because it was a good group. There was the amount of grappling that was going on inside of that three minutes was absolutely fucking beautiful. And Clay was doing a great job up to that point of making sure to nullify Claudio's fucking attempts. And then all of a sudden, it was just, it was literally fucking, I swear it was like a half second. And that thing was fucking the deepest knee bar you're ever going to see. Like, when they teach you how to do knee bars, that's how they teach you to practice them. And granted, you're never actually going to get that to happen, except for in this one fucking instant. One in a million shot, yeah. <laughs> but it was so goddamn fast. It, like I, My head spun a little bit. When I, like, when I was watching, I'm like, wait, 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 what? Like, it took me a second to process it, longer than it took for Clay to have to fucking tap. And, and I had to go fair, back and rewatch it. To be fair, Claudia was a great fucking sport about it too. Immediately turned around and fucking shook Clay's hand and said, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Did you didn't get hurt? Did you?" Like immediately checked on him and was a fucking great sport. Didn't go fucking you know off and celebrate. Immediately checked on his opponent. Showed good fucking sportsmanship. So I can't fucking be mad at that. He said exactly what he was going to do. He did exactly what he, was, what he said he was going to, and then he kept a fucking classy self-esteem about himself afterwards and carried himself like a true martial artist yeah uh, don't me wrong i'm disappointed because i was fucking hoping clay would win but as that kind of transition if you're in the lightweight division be very fucking scared of his ground game be very fucking scared like don't go near it on the ground yeah i we didn't get to see much of his stand-up in that but don't go near him if it comes to grappling because you are straight fucked. Like, um, everybody else was worried about fucking all, what's his goddamn, Ryan fucking... Yeah, I was going to say, Ryan Hall was punching air Saturday night so fucking hard (laughs) watching Claudio pull that off. But (laughs) Claudio did it in a much better way than Ryan likes to do. He did it the right way. He did it the way that works, not the way that looks cool, which is the difference, in my opinion. You can't just fucking Imanari roll in every leg block. That's all I'm saying. That that was fucking beautifully done. And to be honest, I'm excited to see what he does next and who is going to be willing to actually get on the ground with him and grapple. I don't think there's going to be many in that lightweight division. 
they're going to try to knock his fucking head off before they try to get on the ground with him. Yeah, they're going to try and take his face off. He better be doing the zombie before he hits the floor before you get on the fucking ground with him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for fucking sure to see where that young man goes because that was fucking impressive. And we talk, and look, that little baby-faced motherfucker too, he's got a long road ahead of him for... Oh, yeah. He's... Like, that dude fucking clean shaven looks like he's 12. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. need to check his ID again. Yeah, that if we brought him on the show, I'd get flagged for minors for sure. For fucking sure. <laughs> now, that being said, though, um, that was one of the better submissions of the night, but I would argue possibly the best submission of the night Saturday came in the main event itself to the surprise of literally everyone watching and involved in the fight save for Jessica Andrade. Um, I am not a fucking shame to admit that I came 100% into this fight expecting Amanda Limos to just have her goddamn way with Andrade. I figured Andrade was going to make it competitive because she hits fucking hard. She's got good wrestling and she's fairly elusive, but I anticipated Amanda Limos to just come in and do fucking work. And Jessica Andrade showed up and decided that she didn't even really want to have much of a fight. She just wanted to make a fucking statement. And she fucking did. First standing triangle submission in UFC history. Standing Not female, not male. First standing arm triangle in UFC history and hit it perfectly. Limos did not even know how much trouble she was in until it was far too late and there was no going back. Jessica Andrade made her fucking statement in my opinion. Look, I can can tell you why Limos had no fucking clue how much trouble she was in. Nobody hits that standing up. That's something you need ground leverage for where you can turn your body 90 degrees to theirs off, and yeah. really fucking lean into. Like your shoulder do the push, But yeah. the way Andrade locked that in, Andrade has one thing in that strawweight division that those other girls don't. And that is a lot of fucking strength. They were dry. They were only three minutes into the fight. And look, that was a pure muscle-bound arm triangle. Like, you say, could see how deep she had it in. It yeah. almost, the way she had it locked in, normally you'll see people gable grip that and lean in. No, she went damn near fucking what looks like a fucking um, rear naked choke except for arm triangle because she was all the way up on her fucking bicep. Say she had bicep, yeah. Pinching that in. Where normally you don't do that. You're usually gable gripping it, head on the mat, and fucking really pushing into them. No, she went whole fucking another route with it, and it was absolutely fucking brilliant. Almost had no fucking chance. It's kind of like watching the dad bod pull off his fucking choke from the bottom for the first time. Yeah, had no fucking clue it was gonna happen. Yeah, no, short arms, strong fucking muscles, and dry early match time was a horrible fucking combination because she literally just slipped that fucking lock in on Amanda and the second she had it, it was over. It was legitimately like watching an actual fucking snake lock in. It was like watching a genuine real boa constrictor because once you're hit, the wrap up and it's over. And by the time most prey get hit, 
and wrapped up. They don't even realize it, and there's no escape. And this was exactly one of those situations. By the time Lemos realized she was locked in, there was no fucking getting out of it, period. Yeah, and, like, uh, there was a point where Andrade tried to take her to the ground, and to Lemos' credit, she managed to stay up, and that's where you saw her take that bite and just get deeper and deeper into it. And (laughs) it was fucking, um, it was beautiful transition to watch. I didn't think she was actually going to finish it from there. I'm like, She's gonna burn either. their fucking arms out. Nope, she didn't. I burn. thought she was just gonna. I thought it was just a wrestling tactic. I didn't think she was legitimately going for the sub. I thought she just had a good grip on Amanda, and she was gonna hold her against the fence until she could literally peel her back or tear her down and take her to the ground. I didn't think she was going for that standing sub, and then it was all fucking over. And I was like, oh shit! I I saw the okay. standing <laughs> sub from the get go because she started putting her head towards hers, and I'm like, all right, so she's locking her arm into place. That's not a fucking like. Yeah, you can think it's possibly wrestling, but the way I was looking at it from a jujitsu mindset, I was like, you don't do that standing up. You're gonna have to put her on the ground. When I saw her try to put her on the ground, I go, okay, yep, definitely a submission attempt here. Set up, yeah. But then she didn't go down right away. I'm like, oh, she's just gonna burn her fucking arms out, and then Lemos is gonna be able to unlock. No, she fucking managed to finish, but I think that's because being so early in the fight, she still had enough strength in her arms to hold on to that a little bit longer. Had she almost he- held out for like another 30 seconds, I, that probably would have been the end of Andrade's arms for the whole fight, but it or wasn't the case. Had that, wasn't lock, needed. had that lock got set in 30 seconds later and her arm was a little more sweaty and that slide wouldn't have given her as much grip to hold in, could have been a whole different situation as well, but Perfect timing, perfect fucking placement, perfect fucking lock. And perfect finish for Andrade, man. Image, so could see them both back in the octagon real soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, no discredit to Lemos either, because you know what? You're, yeah. That's not one anybody expects. Nobody. Yeah. You got caught. Yeah, you got caught with something literally no one in the UFC has ever been caught with before. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Um, kind of like expecting to get hit by a twister. Generally not going to happen. There are a few of them yeah, out there, but it doesn't happen. really have to worry about often. <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, we did get a traditional fight of the night and pair of performance of the night bonuses for the, the UFC card last weekend, which I'm always a fucking fan of. Uh, fight of the night, to the surprise of no one who watched that fucking card, uh, Davy Grant versus Ken Dosko, the fucking war that we talked about earlier. Um, performances of the night went to Jessica Andrade for the first ever standing arm and triangle and uh, Claudio Puelas for that fucking crazy knee bar that he told everyone he was going to put on Clay Guida. And then he did. So uh, nice to see submissions getting not only one, but both of the performance of the night bonuses uh, for a very fucking rare occurrence on a UFC card. That being said, we do have some news and some recent events and a couple of fight announcements to talk about real quick before we jump into this weekend's upcoming punchy kicking, because thankfully we don't have nearly as many punchy kicky events to talk about for this weekend as we did last weekend. So a little bit of news here. First piece, um, the May 13th London card for Bellator has already had one of the, I don't know if you can call it disappointing or 
it's it's not tragic, but it is disappointing. That's what I was going to say. I don't know if you could call it tragic, but it is genuinely disappointing changes um, announced this week. Um, Andre Koroshkov has been injured and has unfortunately had to pull out of the fight. Um, they did find a replacement in Wendell Giam, Giam Como, I believe, uh, who will now be the final opponent for Paul Daly in his retirement fight. Um, I might not be the biggest fan of Paul Daly, but this is another one of those situations where I feel like if a fighter has spent the majority of their career under your banner and is willing to retire as one of your fighters, the least you can fucking do is give them a decent, genuine fight that they agree to and not a last minute situation. This is one of the few times where I feel like Daly has been around enough. Daly has done enough for the sport and Bellator specifically. They should give him another month or two, find him a better fucking opponent than some last minute fucking delivery guy that he's probably going to beat the shit out of. It's not going to be very competitive. It's not going to be something you really want to brag about as a final fight. And then he's going to retire beating a nobody. That sucks. That sucks. In my opinion, I'm not saying he's the best in the world. I'm not saying he needs to go out with a belt, but I'm saying with someone who has done as much for the sport of MMA as Paul Daly has good, bad, and otherwise, just a shitty way to send him off. I have no fucking love for Paul Daly at all. As I said, good, bad, or otherwise, he legitimately has done a part in helping make the sport what it is. Yes. Yeah. Like he's um, learned how not to behave in an octagon and what immediately gets you blackballed from an organization. I'm just saying there is as that. As well as getting himself kicked off a commentary crew for talking shit about next opponent. Yeah. And, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You learn Absolutely. a lot from that. Absolutely. As I said, good, better, otherwise, he absolutely had an impact on, in making MMA what it is. And, and the fact that they're sending him off on his retirement fight on a last minute, nobody. I, I definitely feel for him a little bit there. I think that kind of sucks. Well, I'm hoping that nobody knocks him clean the fuck out. That's a good way to put him out to pasture. That, you know, the, and the, the fucked up part about it is there's a legitimate chance that that could happen as well. <laughs> There's a genuine chance that the soup can dude could show up out of nowhere on short notice and fuck it flatline daily and send him off into retirement on a fucking stretcher. Uh, there's a genuine chance of it. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out as we get a little closer to that here in a couple of weeks. Um, we did get an announcement for the June 4th UFC card. Uh, Alex De Silva, a little fucking monster, is getting back in there against Joe Selecki, which I think is going to be a pretty goddamn good fight because both of those gentlemen are on a hell of a fucking tear right now trying to make a, a serious splash in the UFC. Um, we got word this week confirmed that the UFC is, for some fucking reason, going back to Austin, Texas for the fight night June 18th. Officially, no fights for the card have been released just yet. They have just confirmed it will take place in Austin, Texas for some fucking reason. So we'll see how that plays out in a couple of weeks. I'm sure they'll be announcing that card and we'll be sure to talk about it. You can bet. Um, we also got word this week. Casey O'Neill, unfortunately, has officially torn her ACL and is out of her fight with Jessica I. And coming fresh off of a crazy wrestling performance last weekend, stepping in on short notice is Macy Barber for the July 2nd UFC 276 card. One of those situations, Macy came in last weekend, put on a hell of a fucking performance, 
they literally pulled her a couple days later to step in on a pay-per-view card against Jessica I, a much higher step up in competition, in my opinion, than Montana. So this is one of those situations. We say it all the time. Winning solves everything. Doesn't matter if you like who they're putting you up against. Doesn't matter if you don't like who they're putting you up against. Just keep winning and it will eventually solve everything. May not have been the way that everybody wanted to see it, but Macy won last week and, and it literally got her a pay-per-view opportunity this week. So proof is in the pudding. Hopefully Casey O'Neill has a quick recovery here. Uh, we'll see her back. I'm sure so long as she does. That being said, uh, July 23rd, the UFC has announced that it is officially going to be going back to London once again, because the first time was so much fun this year so we are going back to ufc fight night london july 23rd and the following week we've got confirmation now july 30th is going to be ufc 277 which has this week been added to it Derek the black beast lewis versus sergey pavlovich excuse me pavlovich that's my own fucking word there um not the most exciting fight in any stretch of the imagination. It kind of feels like uh, they're teeing up the Black Beast to either get his shit together and make another run for it or start to trickle on down and then realistically start eyeballing the door. Uh, for all he's worth, the Black Beast has had a couple of serious ass whoopings handed out to him in his last couple of fights. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I think they're trying to figure out a way to um, work him towards the door. To be honest, look, if you guys don't want to keep him, get fucking rid of him. The dude still has legitimate time on his clock and can do well elsewhere. Don't get me wrong. He can still do well in the UFC. The dude always has fucking power. All the way up to the final minutes of a fucking fight because we've seen it before. Yeah. Literally, to be honest, no matter what happens with him as far as the UFC is concerned, if he doesn't end up in the UFC Hall of Fame one day, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, fuck yeah. He he definitely deserves it. And to be honest, his stock, no matter what happens, stays the same. He's already made such a name for himself that his stock ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, That being said, we got a couple of interesting pieces of news here. Uh, going forward um, the first one <clears throat> excuse me we got confirmation this afternoon uh, and she did go over a bit of the details to the reporters uh, but I just I honestly couldn't fucking listen to it long enough to get into the actual details um, but we did hear for sure that uh, Joanna Jacek ahead of her fight rematch with Weili Zhang has now fight excuse me has now signed a six fight deal with the UFC to extend her contract. Uh, She has said that basically she intends to retire from the UFC, whether this six fights is what it takes or another extension is needed. She loves the UFC and wants to retire from it. So she's sticking around. Honestly, I don't know if she's going to see another belt again, but uh, I still think there are absolutely six more fights left for her in the UFC if they're going to keep her around. So I don't think that was a bad business decision. No, that's a good business decision on both ends. 
Now, the big part is what's going to happen when she gets back in there with Wiley Zhang, because if Wiley beats her ass in three rounds the way she did in five and she takes another two years to sit on the sideline, UFC might not be so happy about signing a fucking six-fight extension on that contract. But that's that's a big fucking fight coming up, and there's, there's obviously a lot of implications coming out of it. So Yeah, I mean, if she does well, I'm just – I'm just saying that if she does well in this fight and gets that L back and they have another fucking war, that really raises her fucking stock coming back off of a two-year layoff. Yeah, especially when she's going to have Carla to fight to get the next title shot after Rose beats her ass again. I mean, yeah. Rose going to beat Carla's ass. I'm 98% fucking confident. And then that means that Carla stays the number one contender. And if Joanna gets past Wiley, that sets up another Carla versus Joanna fight for a title fight. Like that division's got plenty going on. So I get it. Excuse me. Um, That being said, we got confirmation this week that after his uh, untimely release from the UFC last week, the Kenosha Crippler has landed on his big-ass feet with little doubt. Um, ben Rothwell was released from the UFC last week and immediately signed on with BKFC this week. Uh, BKFC's heavyweight division is really getting interesting over there lately. Uh, I don't think Ben Rothwell is a bad addition to throw into that fucking mix for sure, not to mention Ben's going to make some fucking money over there bare-knuckling, so get it, Ben. Oh, yeah. Not to mention his name is going to carry a lot of weight over there, too. So. Fuck yeah. Now, do I think he's going to win the title over there? No. But that's because... Make it interesting. <laughs> he'll make it interesting. Ben's a be- much better grappler than he is a striker. That's all I'm saying. But yeah. dealing with a lot of those other heavyweights over there, those heavyweights over there, to be quite honest, in my own opinion, as far as their striking is concerned, is a lot slower than the striking we see in the UFC. So There's he might be better. Who knows? <laughs> So yeah, I think I think Ben's got a real good chance of coming in and at least making some waves and some damn good checks to cash. Yeah, that's for sure. And at least the one thing we'll never have to worry about is him um, floating over to OnlyFans. Yeah, no shit, right? So the last little piece of news that we've got for this afternoon, this evening, what have you? Um, <laughs> upon the court date where his official not guilty plea was entered, Jorge Masvidal was officially issued a quote-unquote stay-away order from Colby Covington. He is not allowed within 500 feet of Colby's house, and if they are attending the same UFC function, are to be no less than 25 feet away from each other. Security may be required, but the order is not to be violated. They essentially put a light restraining order against uh, Jorge from Colby Covington because working for the same quote-unquote company, there is a chance they will end up in the same place at the same time, but they are not legally allowed to be within 25 feet of each other on Jorge's end. You know, thinking on a purely cash aspect of this, if the UFC is smart, they make those motherfuckers fight again while there's court proceedings going on. Yes, they do. I'm just saying, there's a lot of big money that big money to be had in that because you know the court can't stop the job from making them do the job. That's correct. That's literally why they put a specific provision in there 
And it's funny because Jorge actually talked about it uh, a little bit this afternoon. Uh, the judge read the court proceedings, but never actually said Colby's name during the proceedings and all of the documents that they went over, Colby is just listed as the initials CC. So before the closing of the case, the judge literally asked Jorge, is there anything you need clarified? Are you clear on everything that's been discussed today? And Jorge said, one thing, your honor, just for clarification, the, uh, in, this, in these proceedings, the term CC stands for Colby Covington. Is that correct? And the judge said, that is correct. And, and excuse me, Jorge replied with, crystal clear then. <laughs> Gotta fucking love it. That's just confirmation that Colby Covington specifically asked for some type of a restraining order against Jorge Masvidal, and he confirmed it in court. So Colby can try and play the tough guy all he wants, but at the end of the day, he talks shit and then filed a restraining order after he got his ass beat in the real world. So real world has real consequences. Same thing that happened to fucking that stupid ass on the flight with Tyson. Yes, play sir. stupid games. With real gangsters, you're going to learn the fucking hard way. Damn straight. That's <laughs> why so nobody has any sympathy for either one of those two. <laughs> and they shouldn't. Yeah, correct. And they shouldn't. Uh, but, you so, know. With that being said, um, we do have a pair of cars. We are going to give a quick little rundown on here for this weekend. Uh, the first of which, big Big fucking homeboy of the show here, Dylan, is going to be lucky enough to be in person at the BKFC 24 Great Falls Riggs, or excuse me, Hunt versus Riggs card tomorrow evening. Uh, yeah, tomorrow evening. Um, now, to be fair, this is kind of uh, the building phase. They've got a couple of bigger cars later in the summer, so they're in the building phase, as it were, with BKFC but there are still a couple of really great fights on this card. Uh, apparently, uh, our own uh, Dylan here was actually trained by Leo Bercier, who is fighting Leo Pla from Kansas City in the uh, co-main event. Should be a damn good fight. Uh, there is also the Andy the Crazian win versus Cassie Rob crazy ladies fight on this card, which should be pretty fucking spectacular. Not full on OnlyFans bangers like uh, some other cards have had lately, but not quite full on Beck Rawling versus Britton Hart yet either. We're kind of in a happy medium here with this matchup. Um, but the main event, the title, the marquee names, the reason that you want to be in Great Falls this fucking weekend. Lorenzo Hunt putting that 205 strap on the line against Joe Diesel Riggs, and I could not be more fucking excited to see someone punch Lorenzo Hunt in the face. Oh my goodness. Uh, I will be genuinely giddy watching that fight take place, hoping like there is no hope that Joe Riggs just flatlines that loudmouth motherfucker with no fucking shame in my game about it. Um, I've got the Instagram receipts that Lorenzo and I are not friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been a fan of Joe Riggs for a long fucking time, but this gives me so much more fucking reason to openly root for him. And I absolutely am. I am a big fan of Joe Riggs and I one fucking hundred percent hope that tomorrow night we see him put that fucking clown face down on the canvas 
and hold that fucking belt high like we all know he should. And um, I'm not speaking about the minute here, but shout out to BKFC for doing the same thing a lot of other promotions are doing. They've got a lot of Montana fighters and local fighters from the Great Falls area in yes. the fucking fights yeah, leading up to this. Hard with local local talent, yes. Yeah, and I fucking absolutely love that because twofold. One, that fills seats, and two, you see possible prospects that you would not have seen otherwise. And exactly. some of these guys might show up and show you some shit that quick fucking get some papers ready, have them sign. I was gonna say signing local talent like that more often than not, not to say every fight, but more often than not, at least one fight on a card where they stack it with locals like this, genuinely at least one fight that you're not expecting, one of those local boys is going to put somebody on their fucking ass and grab your attention by the fucking horns with two hands. So, yeah, I'm not mad when they fucking do that at all. No, and I'm on the same page. Um, I'm really helping Riggs clean Sun's clock. I really am. It's time for that to be moved on and gotten the fuck out of his hands. So that way we don't have to listen to him anymore. Yeah, and and to be fair, I don't give a fuck if Joe turns around and fights Hector to, to give him another shot back at that belt or not. I just don't fucking believe for a second Lorenzo deserved to get that. So yeah. uh, seeing it taken away from him by force would make me genuinely happy. To be honest, if his jaw is laying on the outside of the ring when it's done, I would be very thrilled to see that. Wouldn't wouldn't make me cry for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. That being said, though, uh, Saturday, um, despite there being a bit of a, uh, as sad as it is, a a genuine important sideshow of a boxing match between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano taking place Saturday afternoon. Um, fucking team taylor please katie beat that bitch's ass like we all fucking know you can uh if nothing else than to pass that humble pie on to her fucking promoter and a million dollar ass whooping fucking check that would be nice as well uh, that being said saturday afternoon uh starting at 3 p.m central time 4 p.m eastern time we have got the ufc vegas 53 prelims kicking off now, uh, as I alluded to in the uh, description of the video here, we have pretty much all come to understand at this point that with the UFC, the pre and the post pay-per-view cards are generally just filler fights, fights that need to be made because fights have to be made so contracts can be pushed along and et cetera. People need fights so that they can get their quote unquote chance to move up. And, you know, it's how the fight business works. Generally, those fights that don't have the most impact or the most request for them, the most fanfare, get stuck on a pre and a post pay per view card. This is no exception to that. Uh, there are, to be fair, a couple of really interesting matchups on this card. Uh, Natan Levy, one of the biggest prospects coming into the UFC in recent times, 
made his way through the soup can series, but had a genuine reputation before he got there, just used that as his avenue to get in. Will be very interesting to see if he can carry his pre soup can series momentum into the actual UFC in his debut this weekend. Um, we also have the return of the sniper himself, Biggie Figgy Smalls, uh, Francisco Figueredo, the elder Figueredo brother in the flyweight division, stepping back in for his return, trying to stamp that Figgy Small name down in UFC with authority, taking on Daniel Lacerda. That should be a damn good, interesting fucking match because we know that Figueredo is fucking wily like his brother and those flyweights, as we have seen, are genuinely allergic to bad fights, so... I want to say something good about that, but I can't. It's, yeah. I, Francisco seems to have shit the bed where his, his brother has elevated the game. Yes. He is definitely needing to redeem himself. That's for damn sure. Very but, much so. In order to get any sort of respect from me, he needs to do something just absolutely fucking outlandish to eviscerate Serta there. Uh, that's the only way he gets any respect from me. I feel like that's kind of why they matched him up with Lacerda as well, because Lacerda, to his credit, isn't a full-on nobody, but damn if he's not fucking new and semi-unproven at this point as well. So they're yeah. kind of on even footing at this point. It, I, I feel like it's about as good of a chance as Figueredo's brother is really going to get without having favoritism clearly shown. Um, that being said... Uh, the premier prelim fight we are getting this weekend is one that we were supposed to get last weekend, and they have brought it back around to this weekend. The initiation of the not once, not twice, but Fetans Amade, the third go around in the UFC for Chase Sherman. And we did get confirmation this week. It was not a single fight deal. They did officially give him a multi-fight contract to get back into the UFC. They signed it to a three-fight contract. So they're not bringing him back just for this match. They genuinely cut him for three days and then signed him to a three-fight contract to come back after that and then gave him a week off when there was an illness pop up in that short-notice turnaround. So we will be getting... Finally, barring something happening between now and Saturday afternoon, the return for the third time around in the UFC of Chase Sherman taking on Alexander Romanov. Now, I don't genuinely remember when we saw such a fucking massive odds differential in a non- title fight in the UFC as of 11 p.m. Central Time Thursday, April 20, what is it, 28th, I believe. Uh, looking on the UFC's website right now, the Vegas odds are listed as Alexander Romanoff at a minus 2200 to Chase Sherman in his bout to initiate his third UFC contract at plus 1100. Yeah, it's fucking wild. It seems like an over, like if you're betting right now, to be quite honest, bet Chase Sherman. And not because he's necessarily going to win, but because the payout is fucking massive. 
Yes. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Spend a hundred bucks on him. <laughs> to win eleven <1100? laughs> hundred. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's worth a shot. We've seen what Chase Sherman is capable of previously. Fuck yeah. But making him a, a fucking plus eleven hundred underdog is fucking wild, even for Chase Sherman. If that's yeah. Wild. I could see well, and, plus 400, 500, but not an 1100. But. Right. And and to be fair, Romanoff is coming in undefeated, but it's also not undefeated with a resume of fucking killers either. So we've got a bit of that, what I like to refer to as record padding the O uh, in Romanoff's situation here. Yes, there are a couple of legitimate wins, but not any huge world-breaking names on that list that led him to that O. That being said, like TJ said here, we have seen what Chase Sherman is capable of. When he's in the fucking right state of mind and he's focused and he lands the shot that he needs to, he can put just about anybody on their fucking ass. And there's a damn good chance that happens this weekend. Now, whether he does or not, with plus 1,100, if you got a Ben Franklin sitting around, bet it on fucking Sherman for that 1,100 over alone. The 2,200 doesn't really help you in Romanoff's favor unless he comes through and fucking steamrolls. And with his resume, there's not a lot to give me that confidence to put that hundo down on Romanoff. Knowing what we've seen Chase do, plus 1,100 in his fucking odd stack, that's where I'd drop my Benji for the evening if I had to fucking bet. And if you're feeling real giddy, make some even more money, take long shot. Take um, Sherman is getting a KO. Right. Because he does have enough power to knock someone out. And the odds on that are even more. He wasn't BKFC heavyweight champion for no fucking reason. The man can yeah. punch. Just saying. So, that being said, that'll roll us over into our main card. And I'll tell you what, for a card that's not... How do I put this nicely? Uh, stacked with title challengers. I believe would be a good descriptor for these gentlemen. Um, this whole fucking main card of boys is, is here to fucking bring it for the most part. Um, we opened the main card with Christoph Jocko versus GM three, Gerald fucking Mearshart here. Uh, they're not giving you any reason to fucking sit down from that fucking premier prelim fight, because that's either going to be three rounds of walrus slapping or 49 seconds of Holy shit. He just put him on the canvas. Uh, this fight opening up into the main card is a very similar prospect. Either Christoph Jocko is going to come out and lay Mearshart the fuck out in, you know, 35 fucking seconds here, or GM three is going to look to send Jocko into submissionville and send his consciousness off into next week. Um, there's a realistic possibility of either way, but I am definitely inclined to look, to believe in the fucking power of GM three at this point, especially based on recency bias. GM three still got me fucking reeling off that last one. <laughs> I'm hoping he pulls it off. Uh, namely, because I want him to get out of the shadow of, oh, you got knocked out by Kamzat, which to be honest, not that's not a bad person to lose yeah. to, obviously, because there's a reason why well, he's top for pile. And it was the opening shot that did it too. So yeah, so he's got to get out of that shadow. And to be honest, yeah. I think he needs a definitive fucking fuck you win here. And to be honest, I think he could submit Jotko. Now, is it going to be easy? No, because Jotko's a legitimately good middleweight. 
Wanky. Which is why this fight's so fucking exciting to open the card. I mean, the, the, the multitude of things that can possibly happen here, just in this fight alone, makes you want to tune in and watch the rest of the card. Even if you're a fucking a casual off the street who doesn't know who these two guys are, gonna be worth your fucking watch. As if the UFC needed more reason to to plant you in your fucking chair and let you know that this main card was serious. Following up from that as an opening fight on the main card, Darren Damage Elkins versus Tristan Connolly at Featherweight. We have seen Tristan Connolly at Bantam. We've seen him at Featherweight. We've seen him at Lightweight now. He's faced the likes of fucking Michelle Pereira. He's been in and out. He's faced a literal who's who across divisions at this point and come out looking pretty fucking decent. And we've got standing across from him, Darren Damage Elkins, one of the legitimate, for my two cents, toughest motherfuckers to have ever signed his name to a fucking UFC contract, past or present. Uh, these are boys that are coming to entertain you with violence. Neither one of these dudes understands how to quit or how to go light in a fight. This is going to be banging. <laughs> Yeah, this has excitement written all the fuck over it. Like, this is probably fight of the night possible candidate in this fight. It's got my vote. As of as of right now, there's no fight on this card that could take my vote off of that being fight of the night candidate right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's that's got so much great potential. Um, to be fair, Jared Gordon has a puncher's chance against Grant Dawson. I don't care for Jared Gordon as a person since we found some things out about him thanks to the Abu Dhabi situation. Um, Fighter-wise, I don't really have too many reasons to, to root against him, but I also don't have very many reasons to root for him. In that situation, I'm automatically going to root for Grant Dawson. If I know that you're a scumbag of a person and you're a decent fighter, that's not enough to keep me in your fucking corner, champ. Ask old Jonesy boy about that one. He knows all about it. So even if I didn't want to, I'm openly rooting for Grant Dawson in this one. I, I do believe, aside from all the other factors, that Grant Dawson has skill-wise what it takes to put Jared Gordon on his fucking back and then put him out in this fight. But knowing what we know about Jared Gordon, I hope it happens extra. Second on motion, motion passed. <laughs> so, moving on from there, uh, we get one of the more interesting stylistic matchups on the card coming up this weekend. Joe Anderson Brito getting back in there against Andre Touchy Feely. Now, I am not ashamed to admit that I have not been a fan of Andre Feely for the vast majority of his career. That being said, since he has changed camps, he has undeniably shown that he is willing to listen to his coach. He is willing to change what he has been doing in the past that wasn't working. And he has genuinely been working on some of the holes that we have seen in his game. And it honestly starts to feel a little bit like we might be seeing an actual evolution in Andre Feely here. 
Now, the problem is, is that we have seen something very akin to this in Andre Feely in the past, so I can't get my fucking hopes up because there is also every possibility that he has built us up this far and is about to shit the bed once again and let Joe Anderson Brito just fucking raw dog him in front of the fucking crowd. That being said, if he stays on the path he is, we could be seeing a very new and a very legitimate Andre Philly going forward. But based on past track records, I just don't have the confidence to say that I think that he's going to do that. I think there is a possibility, and I'm always willing to give credit where credit is due. He has genuinely made improvements, but he has also shown us that he is willing to throw improvements out the window in the past. So I'm 50-50 on this because there's just too many what ifs um that being said it has all the potential to be a great fight at featherweight i just don't don't know how to call how it could shake loose (laughs) yeah with andre filia look i have no faith in that dude like i lost that a long time ago there is something about that dude that just rubs me the wrong way and i don't know what it is he doesn't seem like a bad person like, there's, there's some genuinely bad fucking people in the UFC that I can tell you it's just their personality that rubs me wrong. There's something about him that just rubs me the wrong fucking way. To be quite honest, um, watching him get subbed by fucking, uh, fucking, what's his goddamn name? Thug Nasty was great. Fucking loved every minute of that. But, I mean, you're right. He has legitimately made some improvements that we've seen. And whether those improvements are actually real or it just happens that he doesn't feel comfortable in the gym he's in yet, so he's just not going to listen. The only time will tell. To be honest, um, I hope Brito whips his fucking ass. Do I think it's going to happen? Not necessarily, but I really hope he does. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm definitely going to be paying attention to see if, if he's going to prove us right or if he's going to legitimately prove us wrong in a good way. That being said, um, that brings us to probably the most surprising co-main event we have seen in at least the last couple of months. Uh, for some reason, they have decided that this card's co-main event needed to be Jake Collier versus Andre Arlovsky. Um, it it really behooves me to find a way to describe Andre Arlovsky in the current era, other than the boy version of Holly Holm. They just cannot not give him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, no matter how many he squanders, no matter how legitimately terrible he looks in his fights. It's like the UFC is allergic to just fucking letting him go. They keep keeping him around. They keep throwing him fucking barely winnable, if not not winnable and gracious judge's decision kind of fights. Not that Collier is a fucking, you know, title strip away or a a hop, skip and jump rather from the title uh, in this conversation either. But Collier has legitimately been putting some work in and is still new. So there's room to grow there. Whereas Arlovsky has literally been doing this for almost 20 fucking years and hasn't changed a goddamn thing about what he does in nearly a decade. 
He's still wearing the same fucking mouthpiece. He's still doing the same predictable fucking half-ass single-leg fucking takedown attempts. He's still throwing the same sloppy as fuck one-two with his guard half down while he's doing it. It's the same fucking thing we've seen for years and years, and I don't know why, but we keep fucking seeing it. As much as I hate to say it, I kind of hope Collier puts him on his ass here. This is another one of those situations where it's obviously going to take a big loss to get Arlovsky to finally fucking stop. And I'm, I'm just about ready to start rooting for everyone that he fights to get him to fucking stop now. It's just, it's not entertaining as an Arlovsky fan anymore to see him keep doing this shit. No. And the problem is, is because he squeaked out three wins in a row, they're not going to let him go. He was on a bad fucking downslide. I mean, fucking terrible. How he stayed around as long, I think, is just because of his name and the fucking weight that his name carried. Recognition, yeah. Oh, to make this very clear, I have nothing against the mouth guard. I love fucking mouthpiece. Rest of it, though, he's not evolved. He has pretty much stayed the same. How he has managed to stay relevant this long, that's the only evolution that I can come up with. Right. And to, to be quite honest, I am kind of excited to see that big ass country boy and Jay Collier get in there and fucking do some work. Because to be quite honest, I think he has the legitimate chance of being able to fucking put him to sleep. Whether it be a fucking goddamn submission or with a knockout. And I'm hoping we just don't see him freeze up because, oh my God, it's Andre Arlovsky. I'm hoping it just ends up being a fucking one-sided lopsided fuck all and send Arlovsky off to the pasture and let him fucking finally retire. And I hold no ill will against Arlovsky. I want to make that very fucking right. clear for anybody who's yeah, listening. Absolutely. I absolutely fucking have a ton of respect for the man and everything he's done for the sport of mixed martial arts. But it, there comes a time, and we constantly say it every time he ends up on a card, he needs to think about hanging him up. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad for him when he wins. But the fashion that he's winning in now is not the Arlovsky that you want to see. Right. It's not the guy that made him famous. It's the shell of what that guy used yeah. to be. And the problem is, is with that shell still winning, that keeps his name in people's mouths. And that also shows you the people that they're bringing in now in that fucking heavyweight division are definitely not the fucking par. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's aggravating as disappointing as that fucking bullshit is we do genuinely have one of the better in my opinion main events for a fight night that the ufc has given us this year so far uh Mar marlon chito vera versus rob font five versus eight and i don't believe either one of them should be ranked that fucking low honestly um both of these dudes are on just straight up fucking tears, trying to make their way up to the top of the fucking Bantamweight division. And as weird as it sounds, I feel like they are both at that point where we're not really going to get mediocrity. They're into that echelon of the division where we're either going to see a very quick knockout 
or a fucking grueling five round war of just fucking insanity from both of these dudes because they're both very well-rounded. They both have great gas tanks and they both have very vast and diverse skill sets amongst them. Honestly, I'm a fan of both dudes and I realistically don't know that either one has a clear edge. Honestly, I think Cheeto is a little bit more well-rounded, but I also feel like Rob has a little bit more power in his striking as well. So it's a pretty fucking fair, uh, close coin toss kind of fight, in my opinion here. Uh, I'm pulling for Cheeto just ever so slightly more, but I honestly would not be the least bit surprised if Rob was able to turn it around and pull it out just the same. You know, I'm kind of in that same boat. However, I, and credit where credit is due, Rob Font is definitely underranked, in my opinion. Part of that is because of that last fucking loss he had um, losing to Aldo, which no, no disrespect or anything. Aldo has become a really tough fight again. Fuck yeah, like, especially in a new weight class at yeah. that. It's even crazier. He's turned the fucking corner and actually become a legitimate great fighter again. Not that he never was a, not that he was ever bad, but you know, I'm just saying. Um, he, he had a rough spot. He had a rough uh, patch for sure. He, yeah, he hit a rough patch there, but he found his new home with once he got that nutritionist on board. He's back to that fucking Aldo of old where you want to root for the guy. So, and it, it kind of makes you wonder too, doesn't it? Like, what, what could have been if we would have had that nutritionist working with Aldo the whole time? Exactly. And I said, nothing to take against Rob Font. That was a legitimately tough fight. Aldo did outwork him and outclass him in that fight. That That is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that because you literally lost to possibly one of the greatest of all time. That He's definitely in that kind of conversation. So, yeah, do I think he's underrated? Yes. But do I think Marlon is underrated? He's far more underrated than Font is. He's, to be honest, the respect that um, uh, Cheeto has fucking earned, he's not given. No. Like, not at all. Uh, and I have a hard, excuse me, I have a hard time rooting against him right now. A very hard time because he was one of the people when he first came to the USC, we saw glimpses of what he could do. And then he hit a rough patch himself. But he seems to have hit that fucking corner and went back for that uptick again. And the way that he's doing it is he's taking out people who they're saying, oh, he shouldn't beat him. He shouldn't beat him. I mean, he fucking KO'd Frank Edgar. He goes out. He beats Grant's ass. Yes, he has a common loss in Aldo, but who doesn't at this point? And let us not forget beating the brakes off of fucking Sean O'Malley because fuck that guy. So, I mean, the dude has legitimately made the corner turn and he's on the straight fucking rise. Now, if he wins this, he's probably going to have to fight Aldo again. Probably. And to be honest, I wouldn't be mad at that. That would be a good fight because if he's on that kind of uptick, that ought to make it pretty good. But uh, I have a hard time rooting against Cheeto right now. Uh, and like I said, that is nothing against Rob Font because Rob Font is a legitimate badass as well in this division. But 
right now with the way Cheeto's on the rise and the way he's been evolving his game, I think we might be seeing this, this, I will say dark horse fight of the night, not fight of the night. Cause I don't think it's going to get it, but this does have the potential for dark horse fight of the night. Uh, like yeah. we said earlier, I'm, I'm more inclined to think the Darren Elkins and Tristan Conley be the fucking fight of the night on this fucking card. But um, definitely dark horse fight of the night, which God forbid you say that about a fucking main event. But hey, just say it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I have a hard time rooting against Vera purely on what we've seen out of him and the way he seems to have turned the corner. And like I said, not taking anything away from Font. Losing to Aldo is not a fucking, right. it's not a bad thing. I mean, it is in terms of you okay. took an L, but. It you wouldn't for it. lack of trying. <laughs> lost to a legitimate fucking Hall of Famer. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I, I, nothing I, to cry about on either one of those. And to be honest, I expect a very good fight out of these two. There's a reason why they have it, um, as far as the odds are concerned, a coin flip. It could go either way. But if I'm a betting man, I'm going on the Vera side of the house. I have a hard time betting against him right now in the way he's turned the corner. I, I completely agree. And uh, before we roll out of here, um, we have got fucking. It didn't even fucking load right. Let me pull these tapology picks up again here. Make sure that's correct. Okay, so we should have correct picks here. It's not showing them for some reason. Is showing the correct pick is ah okay so it's not showing your right pick let me fix yours here real quick that's why that's what it was that's what's throwing me off here we go there we go so as you guys can tell this is another one we've got fairly similar cards down the line here uh and for those of you who are not familiar tapology.com Make a free account, join the group. Picks will be up live on the slideshow Saturday evening during the UFC. Uh, if you join the group and you make your picks, you can either message me on Discord or message me on Tapology, either one. And if you get me the link for your picks, I will throw your picks fan choices up in the slideshow with ours for Saturday evening. But that is all we have got fight-wise for this particular card. I want to thank everybody who, whether you tuned in live, we see you in the chat and we appreciate each and every one of you. Happy birthday again to Mrs. Dylan. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend and a great time tomorrow night. Look forward to seeing those pictures from BKFC. Great Falls Live. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, we do this pretty much every Thursday night, 9.30-ish Central Time, PM, of course, we're night owls. Um, youtube.com slash i'm no joe the week after it airs on youtube we go in the all audio format over on anchor.fm slash i'm no joe uh, all of the show's links that you could possibly want are down in the description we now have a link tree thank god link tree slash i'm no joe for all of the show's links um make sure you are subscribed hit your little notification bell on all platforms so you don't miss the latest episode uh if you want to help out around here the best way to do it patreon.com slash i'm no joe 
or as little as a dollar a month. You get your name at the end of the episode, helps us do what we do, and it gives you access to behind the scenes and the unaired and literal unairable shit that we have got in the I'm No Joe archive for you folks. So take advantage of that if you can. If you like what we do, make sure you've got the notifications turned on and give us those thumbs up. We appreciate it. If you don't like what we do, first off, why the fuck are you still here this deep into a podcast you didn't like? Give us a thumbs down. We won't even dispute it. And then fuck on off. That being said, that's all we've got for this one. So until next time, folks, remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's Nazis. Fuck Nazis. Good job.